1: PN Radio for Western Montana, KKVU HD3 Stevensville, and
0: 102.9 FM on K275BS Missoula.
1: It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show, is Now. Watch the show statewide
2: on SWX Montana Television.
1: I like
0: football. You never know you can feel so good until you feel so dang bad. But I feel great today. Welcome back into Nuana's Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's a one-stop shop for all things sports. Maybe a little pop culture as well every single day right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. You can actually watch us around the world in a variety of different ways. You can go to our YouTube channel. Just type in N-U-A-N-E-Z. You can watch there at any time as well. Or... You can find us on our live stream, which is available on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. There, just click on the Listen Live tab, and you'll find the stream. If you want to get a hold of us, give us a call. Shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana TV is in with me. Sorry we weren't here yesterday. Uh, I got real sick real fast, and it's already over, thank God, because it was one of the worst illnesses I've had in my adult life. Quick. Fast? Whatever. We don't need to get into details, but I'm back. Happy to be here. And uh, a good reminder, you've been wearing masks for more than a year, so wash your hands. Because I promise, your immune system is down. There's no question about it. we got a big show today. Sean is here with me, Colter Nuanas. We're going to start off with Taylor Housewright. He's the new offensive coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. He awaits us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, so we'll get to him in just a minute. Grizz softball shortstop Megan McGrath is also going to swing by. Recap the Grizz softball season. That was a great run in the Big Sky Tournament for the University of Montana softball team. It's also Wednesday, so that means it's a wing it Wednesday. So we have some trivia. We're going to go to the the, the uh, listeners again. Last week you guys did great, so we're going to keep doing that. we got NBA trivia questions for you as well as one PGA trivia question for you as well because it is the PGA Championship uh, this weekend. Second hour, excited for this as well. New Lady Grizz head coach. Brian Holsinger is going to join us in studio for our ESPN roundtable. And it's a huge night of playoff basketball, specifically the Warriors and the Lakers, 8 p.m. You can find that game right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. You can also watch it on ESPN National Television. So we'll talk about that, talk some PGA Championship. Sean's got some baseball controversy for us as well. So this is a big show. We're going to touch on pretty much everything we touch on uh, all the time here at Nuwana's now. But now... No time to waste. we got to go to the Regis Brothers RV phone line. and well, Welcome in. Taylor Houseride to the show. He is the new offensive coordinator at Montana State. Coach, how's it going? Thanks so much for being with us.
2: No problem. Going good. Um, enjoy being here in Montana.
0: First and foremost, let's talk about the greater sports world. I know that as a coach, you hardly have any downtime, especially when you're taking over a new role like you are in a new program like you guys are. But... If and when Taylor Houseray gets a chance to watch sports, what's your go-to? Are you a baseball guy? Are you a basketball guy? What are you watching? <laughs>
2: uh, I actually grew up a basketball guy, so I enjoy watching. I grew up in Ohio about 45 minutes from where LeBron played high school basketball. Uh, my high school um, played him as well when he was there. I so, uh, grew up a big LeBron fan. Um, so When I say watch basketball, it's really just the Lakers at this point. Definitely a bandwagon team wherever he is. Um, but other than that, it's football, um, college, and NFL. You know, I really enjoy watching NFL and, and the guys run around.
0: My guy, I gotta love it. If you're a LeBron guy, you're in with both me and Sean. We're we're LeBron James <laughs> guys as well, so that's very good to hear. Coach, let's talk about these last couple months just broadly. What do you think of just Montana State, Bozeman, all of that as a whole? Because you've only been there now for a handful of months, but got a lot of work done during spring football. We'll get into all that here in a minute, but on a personal level, what's the transition been like for you and your family moving to Bozeman? Well, it's been
2: awesome. You know, it started, um, we love it here. I grew up watching, um, actually I I can remember back in about 6th or 7th grade, right around there, I saw a Montana-Montana State um, game and grew up saying I would love to live in Montana one day, and it kind of came full circle. Um, But after the shock of the housing market here and us getting settled in, um, it's been great. We love it. Um, The people here are awesome. It reminds me of where I grew up in small-town Ohio and um, obviously love the weather.
1: Coach Sean Rainey here with SWX, uh, stepping into that that role of being coordinator um, for the first time, what are you most excited about as far as that new role for you?
2: Being around the guys, you know, I think you get into college coaching to um, you, you had mentors that coached you and guys that you enjoy being around and being around the players and being able to be in front of them and talk to them and help them through whatever that is whether it's on the field or off the field and build those relationships It's, um, you know, I grew up with all sisters so I enjoy the team atmosphere and being around even the, the coaches as well um, but biggest thing is just kind of leading um, these guys and, and, and not allowing them to make the same mistakes maybe I made or I've seen made in my short time coaching right now
0: Taylor Housewright joining us. He's the offensive coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. They completed spring ball about three weeks ago, April 24th. They wrapped up spring ball with the Sunny Hall Holland Spring Classic. And, Coach, I talked to Freddie Banks yesterday. We'll actually play that uh, interview later on this week. But Friday we're planning to have Freddie Banks, Montana State defensive coordinator mm-hmm. here on New now. But we were talking just kind of about philosophies of football. And one thing that struck me that I've been thinking about a lot, and Sean and I have talked about this a lot too, as the world continues to evolve, I think that young people, guys that are in our generation right now, guys that are in their 30s right now, we have an opportunity to make a huge impact because of new ideas, new philosophies, and and ability to sort of keep up uh, with the ever-evolving pace of life. And I thought that Coach Banks, he talked a lot about Sort of his defensive philosophies and sort of his modern defensive philosophies, molding things to the modern style of college football. And I know you and I have talked a little bit about this, but I'll ask you again. I mean, just tell the people how, what are some of your broad modern philosophies when it comes to coaching football? And do you feel like as a younger guy, you have an ability to relate to the players on a different level as well?
2: Yeah, I think uh, being a younger guy, you know, I, I, I think it's a couple of things. You know, I want confident guys. You know, and I think when you talk about modern, there's going to be some Nick Saban's of the world that um, don't necessarily do it this way, but I want guys to tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong as a coach on the field because if they're doing that, that means they're confident Um, and they're at a point where they know the system and they know what they're doing um, because I'm going to be wrong as well. You know what I mean? And and I love when I get after a guy and I think I'm right and we go to the film and I'm completely wrong Um, and we laugh about it because they have a good relationship and I think the kids kind of uh, gain a win every once in a while in that aspect. Um, But my my philosophy on offense to me is what can your guys do? It doesn't matter. Yes, we can recruit in college, but ultimately we're just trying to get the best athletes we can and let's have a system that fits, um, that's easy to learn for our kids. I think kids nowadays have so much access to film and football that maybe guys didn't have in the day, so they're smarter. They see those Instagram uh, posts of guys in the NFL, certain plays or routes or – uh, blocking techniques, so you have to be on your game as, as a coach, and I think players are a little more involved at times in, in what they like, you know, and I spend a lot of time, okay, what are you? What are they good at? Are they intelligent enough as an older guy to know, um, okay, there's a difference between not liking a certain play because I'm not good at it right now, versus um, I'll never be good at it, you know, and trying to figure out and give them feedback, things they feel comfortable with, um, and I think that's probably more of a modern-age thing than old-school, hey, this is what you're doing. You do it. You don't hear any of that word from the kid, and he goes out and plays. You know what I mean? I want these guys to have fun, and I think you've seen the evolution of that with playing music at practice and those type of things. But going back to kind of the philosophy from Nexus and those it's just being multiple and being able to do whatever your guys can do, you know, and, and having a system that's easy to learn, it can go in different directions. If you go and get a super athletic quarterback that can run, where you go and get a Peyton Manning-type quarterback that can drop back and pass is super intelligent, um, be able to go in different directions and branch off.
1: What is your favorite play? (laughs) Victory. (laughs) (laughs) The kneel
0: at the end of the game, that's right.
2: Correct. No, uh, my favorite play, um, you know, obviously I grew up playing quarterback, so anytime you can sling the ball around, that's great, but um, I, I think... There's something to be said about football. The game hasn't changed in however many years, 150 years, or however long it's been around, Um, probably longer than that. But ultimately, when you can line up and kick the butt out of the next guy and get big and strong and heavy and know that we're going to sit here and we're going to run the ball man-on-man on on you, I think to me that is um, pretty special. So if you say favorite play, some sort of heavy run, um, that I feel like we can line up and just kind of take your manhood in some aspect.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I'm a big play-action guy, so I, I, my personal favorite is, is kind of going, you know, like eye formation, you know, play-action, maybe get like a 15-yard in or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I got to go with. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a bad one. Taylor Housewright, joining us, he's
0: Montana State's offensive coordinator. And coach, you played Division II football. You got your career as a coach started first at the D two ranks, and then at the uh, Group of Five ranks with at Miami of Ohio. You've been in the Power Five last couple years with stops at Mississippi State and Oregon, and now you're in the FCS. So, and also you got to mention when you first crossed paths with Brent Vegan at Wyoming in the Mountain West as well. Mm-hmm. So you've seen pretty much every level of college football in a pretty recent uh, span. So just compare and contrast. And so what do you think of just the situation that you got at Montana State? State and how that maybe compares and contrasts to what you've seen uh, previously in your career.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been at D3, D2, like you said, low end of Division I or a group of five and then Power Five. Um, I've seen every level um, thus far and I think where that really um, is convenient and helps you is from a recruiting standpoint. You know what a good Division three player looks like. You know what a good Division II player looks like or an All-American at both. You know what a good group of five and a good uh, power five player it looks like. So it helps you in recruiting to relate who the guys you're going after to make sure you're not going after a guy maybe that's not as good as as he should be for that level to win championships. Um, but I think the coolest thing is uh, at this level is um, these guys get an opportunity to get scholarships and pay for their school. Um, but it still has that small college field where guys are playing for the love of it you know what i mean i think that's the biggest thing is you know you get a d3 guy he's paying, paying full boat busting his butt working just as hard as a guy at oregon on a yearly basis and he's paying his own dime because he absolutely loves it you know um and then you go to oregon and you got guys there that are free five stars and they got all these this these media and news, just hyping them up and everything. And I think sometimes maybe the love of the game kind of goes away. And I think at the 1AA level right now, it's kind of the best of both worlds. We have our ESP games, we have our stuff, but these guys are still grinding through it. It's not like they're all over the news and Sports Center and all those things. Um, probably rarely do you have four- and five-star guys at this level, um, unless it's a transfer in some aspect, but um, still really good players that develop um, and want to stay for four or five years and not and go from an 18-year-old kid, maybe they weren't going to Alabama because at 18 years old they weren't physically developed, but in four or five years when they're 22, 23, um, they've made huge gains. And for you to see that and see them put in the work is, is pretty awesome.
0: Not all over SportsCenter, but definitely all over ESPN Montana. I will definitely give them all the coverage that they certainly deserve. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor <laughs> Housewright joining us from Montana State. He's the offensive coordinator. And, Coach, let's talk about the last couple of years coaching in the Power Five, Mississippi State and Oregon. You worked alongside Joe Moorhead, who was the offensive coordinator of both of those schools and a pretty revered offensive mind. So, first of all, just tell us what it was like just sort of being involved in an organization that is on the biggest stage of college football.
2: Um, it's amazing. I know the first day I showed up at Oregon, I think our staff meeting had about 35 people in it. Um, I didn't know there was that many jobs in a football program, but there are, you can find enough work for everybody. Um, so that was different, but it was, you just see as a head coach, Coach Crispo was such a great leader and, and the time and the effort he put in on a daily basis and the mental stress he put on himself to make sure everybody was good. Our program was going in the right direction. We were playing the game the right way. Um, and taking care of the players, I think that was pretty awesome to see how hard he worked um, at that level to see what it looks like. Not that everybody doesn't work that hard, but obviously you're on a bigger scale, and when you're making the money he's making, you know, what I mean, you can't have those screw ups, you know, so everything.
0: Whoa, we might have lost, bro. Um, Taylor Housewright, the. I was a coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. We will effort to get Taylor back on. Uh, but in the meantime, Sean, I want to ask you this. Montana State football has been good the last two years. They've been playoff teams the last two years, and they've done it with largely uh, a defined identity that is very one-dimensional offensively. I I think they ran the ball about two-thirds of the snaps that they've run in 2018 and 2019, led the league in rushing two years in a row, which they're the only team to lead the league in rushing besides Cal Poly since Cal Poly entered the league, because obviously Cal Poly literally doesn't throw the ball. They just have been running the triple option, but what are you most excited about just in terms of sort of a new offensive philosophy at Montana State? Because uh, it seems like the implementation of maybe new offensive ideas gives them a chance to be a little bit more diverse offensively
1: but well, I think kind of we talked about it and as an overall whole I think one of the things was yeah like finding that identity again like do they have a similar identity obviously they have the personnel in an awesome awesome offensive line Isaiah Fonse, like you know one of the best running backs in the country at this at this level so yeah just kind of curious to see how it looks compared to the last couple of years and also they they formed that identity over the last few years and are they going to look, you know, similar, close to that, um, or you know, become a little bit more pass-heavy, a little bit more balanced? Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. We have Coach
0: Housewright back. So, Taylor Housewright's our coach's corner. He is the offensive coordinator at Montana State. Sorry for losing you there for a second there, Coach. But uh, on that note, to kind of parlay on Sean's analysis there, um, you just mentioned that one of your favorite things in football is running the ball. That's where all offensive philosophies usually start is running the ball. But uh, it seems like Montana State has an opportunity here to become a little bit more diverse offensively compared to what the last few years have been like. Where do you stand just in terms of how much you want to change or not uh, with the Bobcat offense moving into 2021?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, kind of. Sorry, I lost you guys there. I didn't know what you guys caught, but um, you know, to me, it's pretty simple, right? It's it's um, if you can't if you can block them, block them and run the ball. If you can't block them, read them, okay. And if they have a second level athletic t- defense, okay, uh, find ways to make the DBs tackle and the linebackers cover. If they don't have an athletic back end, try to find ways. To make them make tackles in space, you know what I mean. You're just trying to do what you do well versus what they do poorly. And, and to me, and and I think good offenses um, attack that, you know. And I think good offenses have tendencies at times because um, that means you're good at something. And you hang your hat on something, you know what I mean. So, like I kind of alluded before, more um, you got to be able to run the ball, you know, and that's what they've done here, and and that's that's the mentality here at Montana State, and that's going to continue to be the Montana mentality at Montana State. But if you get yourself in a situation where you can't run the ball and you're being stuff, well, then maybe you have to spread it out and get guys in space. And whatever your talent um, um, pool is, do what they're good at. So I think uh, to answer your question, we're going to continue to do the things we've done here um, and, and hopefully um, help bring some new ideas to the offense.
0: Quite a bit of, of... – Observation time for you with 15 spring football practices and a, and a spring game. So, what do you think of just the offensive personnel you have? What do you think of the talent level you have on offense?
2: Great, very awesome. You know, what I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more coming in to a team that's been this successful. Um, and on offense, we have a bunch of older guys, and I think we're, we're very talented. And um, it's getting everybody going in the right direction and believing in, in, in the team and, and the offense and what we're trying to do. Um, but from a talent standpoint, I couldn't be more pleased with these guys and they show up every day and bust their butt. Um, I just, they make sure I'm ready every day. I got to make sure it's, it's not the other way around. They make sure I'm ready to roll because they've got energy juice and they love playing football.
1: This might be a two part question, but is it the offensive coordinator that ends up kind of coming up with the kind of the, some of the names for the plays or, like, the, the audibles or the checks or, like, the the quarterback cadences and some of them? Because we hear a lot of interesting things sometimes. Is that going to be your responsibility to come up with uh, some of those those fun things to say?
2: Yeah. You know, I think one thing you try to do is not just have a bunch of random names but kind of play on words in some aspect that makes sense. So if the kid forgets, at least the word kind of helps them figure out what's going on. Um, but typically, you let the players come up with it. To me, it's, I don't need to know some of those things. I know what's happening. I need to know that, and I come up with what's happening. But you really want the players to come up with those words so they understand, um, so there's some ownership to it.
0: Taylor Housewright joining us. He's the offensive coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. And, coach, two part question What did you think of what you got accomplished? What was the most important thing, I guess, that you guys got accomplished during this first uh, set of spring drills? And what are your hopes that your players carry into the summer? What do you hope they're working on as they engage in player-run workouts and things like that?
2: Yeah, I think first and foremost on offense, just staying healthy. That's huge. You know, you you get dinged up and stuff in spring ball, and that's going to come with practicing and getting better as a football program. But um, for the most part, staying healthy um, after those 15 practices. Um, I would say what our guys, you know, to me the biggest thing about summer, um, going into summer after spring ball, football hasn't changed. It's not a complicated game. It's, it's about the X's and O's, and we try to make it complicated as coaches because we think we're really smart, but in reality, we're coaching a child's game um, and getting paid for it, which is awesome. But um, I always tell people if I could do anything else, I would, but all I know is football. Um, but the, to me, the summer is our guys getting in and evaluating themselves individually from spring on certain plays and how they ran it and how they looked and things they got to work on physically. Um, but growing as a team and growing as an offense during the summer. The summer's a great time for a college kid. He's working out. He's taking one or two classes maybe. Um, Maybe he's got a part-time job. Other than that, he's playing video games with his buddies and hanging out on the weekend and grilling out and doing those things. So you make a lot of strides as a team, in my opinion, during the summer as far as being kind of a brotherhood because there's not a lot of people on campus. It's just you. You work out, you eat, um, and you hang out pretty much.
1: Do you like to uh, call the call the game from up up top or do you like to be kind of on the field and and with the guys? because I know like different coordinators kind of have different uh, you know philosophies or they they like being in in one place or the other?
2: Oh, I would love to be on the field. you know, I think initially going into it year one, I don't think that's realistic. Um, I think I need to be in the box. you just don't have that field. It's kind of two different. Deals when you're in the box, you're kind of separated from the guys, you know, and you're calling it like you're sitting there playing Madden or something, um, in, a, in, a, in a sense. But when you're on the field, you're in it, you're feeling it just like a little bit like a player, not completely like a player, but um, you feel those emotions, and you kind of uh, ideally that's where you want to be. Now, I think that takes some practice, and, and um, as a coordinator, years and years and years um, of knowing what's going on, running the same system, knowing why it's not working. You know, so I have my drivers I'd be on the field, I don't think that's realistic year one.
1: <laughs> yeah, what do you think is gonna is the, the biggest challenge in being a, a first year coordinator? Is it kind of that maybe that, that cat and mouse game and, and have it being so so quick and having making adjustments kind of on the fly or or what do you think is gonna be the biggest challenge in, in year one as a coordinator?
2: Um, you know, I kinda have a different philosophy on this and I'm not saying um, you know, ultimately when you snap the ball that the players, the 11 players on defense they are out, they're out there, they have an idea what you're going to run, but they have no clue, you know, unless they have some sort of stealing signals or understand what the quarterback's saying and, and know. Um, so the play calling thing, I think if you've done it your whole life from a player standpoint and um, been around the game, it's not as long as you're educated in what you're doing. Um, the hard part to me, not saying that's not hard. That's very hard. The adjustments, the, the situational football, it's very hard. Um, And it takes time to get good and comfortable at it. But to me, it's managing people. You know, that's the part that that people don't talk about. Managing personalities and players and coaches and people in general. um, You have to be good at that in today's game, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And and a lot of good coordinators have that. You know, X's and O's or whatever. It doesn't matter. If you have a good team and good players and good chemistry, it doesn't matter what offense you run, in my opinion, at least my philosophy. Um, as long as everybody's on the same page communicating, everybody knows that everything you're doing on a daily basis is for each other and for the betterment of the team. You know, So as a coordinator, you're the leader of that and managing people and being a good example. Um, to me, not that it's that's where you spend most of your time thinking about it, the psychological uh, effects of the kids and where they're at and the coaches and the people around you and the staff around you. Um, that's the part that I think gets overlooked, and it's just about, hey, what are you calling on first down or second and five? You know what I'm saying?
0: I think it's a great thing worth mentioning too, because I think that that's one thing where college programs used to be so defined by the system that they run, but now pretty much everybody runs elements of everything, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or at least, you, at least you can. Again, our right? players are. Yeah. Exactly.
2: You know, and like I said, I mean, players are so exposed with youth football, middle school football, high school. Um, some of these high schools, I mean, especially you talk about Texas, have indoors and football facilities. I mean, these kids are so advanced now. Um, now, not to say that I think college football is closer to high school football than it is the NFL, and you got to remember that as a coach and keep it simple. Um, but, again, I think all the systems can kind of go in different directions because these kids are so exposed to things.
0: Taylor House Montana State Offensive Coordinator. Coach, thanks so much for taking so much time today. Before we get you out of here, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers take on Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors 8 p.m. tonight. Who you got?
2: Oh, I got the Lakers. LeBron's going to have... Uh... Thirty, fifteen,
0: and ten tonight. I, I got, I got money on LeBron having at least 25, 12, and five. So I hope your your prediction is right.
2: <laughs> there we go. You gotta love it. He's gonna show out tonight, even though
0: he doesn't like to play in. <laughs> That's exactly right, Coach. Thanks so much for being with us, man. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you this summer, but uh, in the meantime, be well.
2: Sounds good. Thank you guys.
0: Coach's corner. Taylor Housewright, Montana State offensive coordinator. Freddie Banks, Montana State defensive coordinator, will join us on Friday's show here on Nuwana's now. It's 102.9 ESPN, Missoula, Statewide Television, SWX, Montana TV. I I didn't want to muddle up the interview, but if you were wondering, I was gone yesterday because I got really ill all of a sudden. I'm fine now. I mean, fine is an arbitrary word. I feel weird still, but uh, I'm not what I I once was. But uh, it's ironic because we ended Monday's show telling a story about my travels to Ogden, Utah, and uh, how I was saying I'd stayed in the two dumpiest hotels I've ever stayed in in my life. And how I was happy about it, because I know what the bottom is now. Well, then I went and hit rock bottom the next day with this illness. So here and over there, have be back in studio. Sorry we missed you yesterday. That's never happened before. In my four and a half years here, we've never had an emergency illness where it caused the cancellation of a show. So sorry if you were tuned in yesterday and we missed you. Uh, but we're back now, and we're happy to be back. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana TV, is in studio with me in about, oh, 35 minutes. Brian Holsinger, new head coach for the Lady Grizz, is swinging by. He was texting me because he knows we're on TV. He was asking me what he should wear. I said, it's all good, dude. Just wear wear the dry fit polo or whatever. It's all good. We, we, we try to keep it a little bit nice around here, but, uh, you know, it doesn't be, need to be a suit and tie or anything like that. So we're all good. We'll look forward to uh, our conversation with Brian Holsinger. Also here about 20 minutes, we're going to do a wing it Wednesday, which means we have a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for you. All you're going to have to do is answer some trivia questions. We're going to actually queue it up for you, the loyal listeners. So that'll be fun. Uh, Sean will be your lifeline. I have some trivia, most of them NBA playoff trivia, but one question about uh, the PGA Championship as well. And uh, we also are going to hear, hear in about mm, five minutes from Megan McGrath. She's a shortstop for the University of Montana softball team, part of our Garden City Spotlight UM softball. Great run in the Big Sky Tournament. They won three games, made it to Saturday as the bottom seed in the bracket. So uh, you get a sixth seed and you make it to Saturday. That means you basically finish third. Pretty good run by UM softball, Megan McGrath. will tell us all about that run right after this. 2.9 ESPN Radio, Missoula. Is this like... Just like Taylor Swift gone metal or what is? What are we listening to, Todd?
2: Son, this is Flyleaf, and also you have no idea what being sick is. You get a little nose sniffle
0: and you go to cancel the entire program for a day, and then you blame me about it. This is talking about this is this is you're talking to the guy that just took his first sick day, 17 years into his professional journalism career. Boo, hiss, blaming <laughs> oh, me. I got bones you to all pick I'm with you. is, I would have come and done the show t- yesterday, fully fevered out, but Tommy wouldn't let me because he thought I was contagious. That's true. You stay in that glass room, if you leave <laughs> that room. We are swinging fish. He bro. already told me I can't go in his room, I have to stay back here. Colter Nuanas, 1029, ESPN, Missoula. It's Nuanas now, one stop shop for all things sports all across the great state of Montana each and every weekday right here on 102.9 ESPN, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Grizz Softball had a tumultuous season, up and down. They played a brutal non-conference schedule. They didn't really play any home games until late March. They ended up finishing 8-10 in Big Sky Conference play. They had the two-seed within reach, heading into the Big Sky Tournament. They could not secure it. Instead, they take the sixth seed in. They draw Sac State in the first round, but they upset the Hornets, 6-4. to four. Megan McGrath went 3-for-3, three three, drove in three runs, and scored twice more to help Montana uh, sail, uh, move on in the first round of the tournament. Then Montana lost to Southern Utah, but then in the uh, loser-out game, they eliminated Northern Colorado uh, to live to play another day, and then they eliminated Sac State to truly live to play another day they, to move into Saturday. And so then they were playing Southern Utah Saturday morning, Big State Conference track and field championships going uh, going on right across the way, also in Ogden, Utah. Montana falls behind Southern Utah 6-1. They rally all the way back, and they tie the game at 6-6, where it stays for a couple innings. Top of the seventh, Montana threatens, but they cannot get the runner across to score a run. And then Southern Utah comes up in the bottom of the seventh, and with two outs, Southern Utah has a runner on third and a runner on first, a sharp ground ball to Megan McGrath, the standout Grizz softball shortstop. And she fields it cleanly, throws a racket to second base. It's dropped. The game-winning run scores. Montana's season is abruptly over. That overshadows what was a great tournament for Megan McGrath. She went 10 of 21 at the plate, hit nearly 500 in the Big Sky tournament. She finishes at about 410 for the season, so an all-Big Sky season for Montana's junior shortstop. Also overshadowed a great tournament and great season by Tristan Akenbach, senior pitcher from Shoto, Montana, who spent her final prep season at Great Falls CMR. Akebach threw five, count them, five complete games during the Big Sky Tournament. So that's Thursday afternoon through Saturday morning, five complete games. She must have thrown close to 1,000 pitches. Very impressive. Now it's time for our Garden City Spotlight, presented by Dr. Gene Morris of Oral Surgical Associates. Are you looking for an oral surgeon in Missoula who offers compassionate care, advanced technology, and comprehensive treatment? Dr. Gene Morris at Oral Surgical Associates is the doctor for you. Dr. Gene Morris provides a full range of care, including implants, emergency surgeries, and wisdom teeth removal. Dr. Morris and his staff use advanced imaging technology for more accurate diagnosis, as well as effective treatments, while also using innovative techniques to treat a wide range of problems to benefit from this outstanding level of care. Schedule an appointment with Dr. Gene Morris at Oral Surgical Associates today. For more information, OralSurgicalAssociates.com. Well, happy now to go to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in junior shortstop from the University of Montana softball team, Megan McGrath. Her team fresh off a great run in the Big Sky Conference tournament in Ogden, Utah this last weekend. And Megan, I hope you were able to cool down a little bit. Pretty hot down there in Utah. But uh, Thanks so much for being with us today.
3: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
0: What was that part like, just adjusting to the heat? Because I know you guys have played a, a few like, sort of warm weather games, but it was a lot hotter down in Utah than, than maybe we, we've been used to up here in Montana, right?
3: Yeah, it was quite a bit warmer, but definitely a little bit of a temperature change. But it was a lot of fun, you know. I got to enjoy a lot of nice weather with my teammates and my friends. So that was a lot of fun.
0: Montana came into this thing. It was an interesting scenario, the way the end of the Big Sky Conference regular season played out. Uh, it was a really tight league this year, so everybody was kind of battling for that number two seed. And then when everything kind of fell, you guys beat Weaver, State at home, and walk off fashion a couple thir- <laughs> a couple Fridays ago. But then dropped two on Saturday, and now all of a sudden there's a log jam at eight and ten in league play, and. Sac State gets the three, Montana gets the six, even though they are both have the same record. So then you guys go into this this tournament basically as the bottom seed. But I think that it was pretty clear to anybody that followed the league this year, a pretty wide open conference. So what was the mentality of yourself and the team as you guys headed to the Big Sky Conference
1: tournament last week?
3: Yeah, I think a lot of it was just, you know, clearing our minds and knowing that this could be our last chance to be able to play with our seniors and just to be able to go out there and have fun, doesn't matter who we're facing or we're not facing and just to go out there with that mentality knowing that you know we can do it we can be anyone we're here we're just as good as anyone else and so just being able to go out there and have fun with all of our best friends
0: and when it comes to tournament scenarios too in softball i've I've seen this at all levels Uh, both my sister-in-laws were great softball players too If if you're hot at the right time or you have a good pitcher or a great pitcher or you have both that can carry you a long ways and you guys kind of got hot there in the tournament and also you have an outstanding pitcher in Tristan Akabak as well so I mean internally you guys must have known that you could make a run all the way to Saturday and actually challenge for this conference title
3: yeah no Tristan did absolutely amazing I don't think any of us could thank her enough of how great she did for us and how much she put in for every single one of us She worked her, she worked her butt off she did great and we did our best to try to get her back and be able to have her back for to score some runs on the offensive side
0: while well, she did her work on the defensive side. Megan McGrath joining us. She's a junior shortstop for the University of Montana softball team. Montana won three games at the Big Sky Tournament this last week. They upset Sac State in the first round and then beat Sac State again to eliminate the Hornets. But then a heartbreaking ending to Montana's softball season. Uh, down 6-1 to Southern Utah. Montana rallies all the way back to tie the game 6-6. Bottom of the seventh inning, runner on first and third, and uh, there's a sharp ground ball to actually, I believe you, and uh, but then it ends up in a drop, and all of a sudden, Southern Utah scores the game running run. So I know it's probably uh, a fresh wound still, but just take us through the end of that game scenario because it was an exciting game, and you guys did a great job battling back, but also a tough way for it to all to end.
3: Yeah, no, it was tough, and I think all of us we knew like we were like we really have a chance. We're close. Like we can do it. We can beat them. Like we have. The momentum to be able to win it started off a little rough in that first or that last game in the first inning, but we were able to come back and fight through it. And I think a lot of us, along with our coaches and our fans, really believed that we were going to make it to that championship game. But unfortunately, you know, it happens to the best of us, and we weren't able to get that last out and go into extra innings.
0: How tough is it to play five games in what essentially is like what 48 hours a little more than 48 hours i mean it must be it must be kind of a grind
3: yeah it is i mean we're during the preseason we would play around five games over the weekend and then once conference started we'd only be playing three games a weekend so being able to go back to those five games it was it was a bit of a challenge and definitely a grind and uh, we were able to push through it push through the heat and give it our best in every single game
0: You yourself, Megan McGrath, by the way, joining us. She's a junior. She's from Salem, Oregon, for the University of Montana softball team. But you yourself, I mean, you hit the tar out of the ball. I think three for three the first game, and then kept on rolling. I think you finished 10 of 20 or 10 of 21 officially at the plate in the Big Sky Tournament. So hitting about 500, that's pretty good. Uh, But were you seeing the ball well, or how were you able to, to have such a good offensive performance individually this last weekend?
3: Yeah, I was just able to relax at the plate. I was seeing the ball really well. I'd been seeing the ball really well previously to the tournament. And so just be able to stay relaxed, stay in myself, and just know that I'm there for a reason and just be able to have fun and be able to rely on the people that are hidden behind me to be able to drive me in as well. So just being able to have a lot of confidence and to stay relaxed when at the plate.
0: And you mentioned Tristan Akebach. She's been on this show with us before. Nuana is now, by the way, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Uh, but Tristan Akebach, a native of Montana, Shoto, Montana native, and a Great Falls uh, CM Russell graduate, but she was unbelievable this weekend just in terms of her endurance i mean five consecutive complete games i think the final total she threw almost a thousand pitches but she seems to just keep getting stronger as the game goes on so you have a bird's eye view at this thing playing shortstop so uh, what makes her so good how is she able to just have such great endurance on the mound
3: she's unstoppable she's amazing she's such a good pitcher she talks to her defense all the time we talk to her she gives us a lot of confidence and like we tried to do the same and give her as much confidence when she's pitching and you know, she's just all around just an amazing athlete, amazing girl, just an amazing person and she gave it her all this weekend, you know. So she wasn't worried about what could happen or what might or might not happen. She was just there giving it her all and we could not have asked for a better performance by her. She did amazing.
0: And you mentioned some of the seniors. I mean, this is you guys are a pretty young team when it's all said and done. But you do have four seniors on the squad, including Tristan Akabak, as well as Cammie Sellers, who was a, a first-team All-League player for, for the Grizz this last season as an infielder. So... Um, I mean, what's, what's the next steps now for Montana softball? First of all do you hope, I mean, it sucks to have a heartbreaking ending like you had, but can that be sort of motivation for a lot of you girls that are coming back uh, next season as, as far as just motivating you and remembering what it was like to lose in that fashion?
3: Yeah, I know um, I talked with Mel a little bit just about trying to be able to come back next year where we left off. I think we left off on a very high note and we ended with a really good season. And so just being able to kind of come back where we left off. We lost a lot of really amazing girls this year, but I also know that we're gaining a lot of amazing girls next year. So that's something that we're all really looking forward to and just being able to pick up again where we left off and hoping that we can keep everything going that we had going.
0: Megan McGrath joining us, junior shortstop for the Grizz softball team. The last question for you, Megan. What's what's the next few months look like then? Because I know you know a lot of times in, in football, for example, when it's the off season, it's you know end of the weight room and, and there's all these these procedures and and such a defined schedule. What's it like for you in the summer? First of all, you probably miss playing softball throughout the entire summer, right? But what, what's the summer hold <laughs> for for you and your teammates? Yeah, well, I think a lot of us.
3: Um, Mel told us she said, you know, put your glove away for a little bit, but don't put it away for too long. We still have a lot of work to do when we get back, and so. For me, I mean, I'm back at home right now, I'm with my family and my dad is a huge, huge softball fan, so we'll be able I'll be able to work out with him and be able to hit a lot with him and play catch and just stay in shape and along with a lot of my family or a lot of my teammates we all kinda talk to each other and make sure that we're staying on top of things and making sure that we're still having fun and we're still enjoying our summers, but also to stay focused because we still have a lot of softball to play in the future.
0: Megan McGrath, shortstop for the University of Montana softball team here on Nuanas Now. Megan, we appreciate the time today. Thanks so much, and be well. We'll catch up with you soon.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Megan McGrath. It is our Garden City Spotlight, presented by Dr. Gene Morris of Oral Surgical Associates. Need somewhere to get your wisdom teeth out or any sort of general oral surgery? Give Dr. Gene Morris at Oral Surgical Associates a call. Oralsurgicalassociates.com, the proud presenter of our Garden City Spotlight each week here on Nuanas Now. It's trivia time. We got NBA and PGA Championship tri- trivia for you. On the other side. And we got a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Keep it right here. Nuwana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula.
3: to more
1: new one is now on ESPN radio with special guest Sean Rainey
0: this is why you're a dichotomy, Rainey, because you claim that you don't care, you're not into music, but then your favorite songs are songs from the greatest hip-hop album of all time. So you obviously like some good music.
1: Well, yeah, it's not like I don't I don't like <laughs> music. It's like I, I just don't listen to music very often.
0: Tommy, this guy down in Boise was trying to tell us that if a Bruce Springsteen song came on the radio, he wouldn't know it was Bruce Springsteen, no matter what song you played. I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm kind of with Sean.
1: Like, <laughs> oh I know like God. dancing in You're the dark. You're
0: like 14 years old. That's why. Oh, my God. That's the song you identify with Bruce Springsteen? See, me and we my dad re- get into fistfights need- about
2: this too because he's like, you got to listen to Bruce. And
0: I'm like, <laughs> "Right." I've heard one song over and over my whole entire life. Which is the life. only like, song he ever cut as a sellout to only so he could have a hit
1: song. See, see like you say his name. Like I could not name one song. That but is like incredible. But then when you play it, I know what song it is. Oh, All right, right, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Yes. I'm with Sean with like four, maybe four or five. I'm really bad with just names and song titles. You guys are
0: crazy. (laughs) Bruce Springsteen is one of the most legendary songs. Okay, so what's his most famous song? That's his most famous song, Dancing in the Dark, but it's his worst song, objectively, because it's the only pop song he
1: ever wrote. How does it go?
0: Uh, Tommy can play it for us in just a second. (laughs) You've heard it. Uh, It's the music video, Courtney Cox's debut. They're dancing on the stage. Whatever. Did you know Bruce Springsteen's never had a number one single? That probably doesn't surprise you. That's so
2: crazy, because everyone should know every single thing about him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great to have Tommy back in the back, and it's great to have Sean Rainey here on this side as well. It's Nuanes now. I'm Coulter Nuanes. Here's Dancing in the Dark.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Everybody knows the, the song, well, right? It's one, I just don't know. I, I just don't know who it is and what the song. All, all I'm called. saying.
0: All I'm saying, Tommy. Here's your homework. Screw. this album. This is the most famous album of Bruce Springsteen's career, and it's objectively the worst, just as most artists are. This is the one time he took out the synthesizer. He's trying to make 80s music. He's trying to make money. No, go listen to Bruce Springsteen's albums from the 70s. You will love them. He's objectively one of the great songwriters in the history of music. You will love him. I will do this because I'm deciding I want to do it, not because you're telling me I great. should. Great. I will uh, I'll make you a little Bruce Springsteen playlist. Oh, going to love it. Very cute. Thank you, Coulter. <laughs> it's the greatest thing I've ever had happen. To me. The miseducation of Tommy Evans continues here. 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana TV. Time now for a Wing It Wednesday. we got a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. They are the best wings in all the city of Missoula, and they can be yours. All you have to do is give us a call, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. Give us a call right now. We have trivia questions for you. Got a couple about the NBA and one about the PGA Championship. All you got to do is get two out of the three right, and Sean's your lifeline. So give us a call right now, 361-3688. Uh, in the meantime, Rain Man, I know you, we were talking about this before we came back from break. Neither we, we both love the NBA. Neither one of us has been that into the NBA, though, so far this year. Is that just a, a stemming from the fact that the bubble went late and this was a shortened season and and... It's been really. I mean, honestly, it's it's a, it's an objectively really hard league to analyze at this point because they played less games and so many guys haven't been playing. I mean, m- half of the best superstars missed at least twenty games this year. So, I mean, is, is, are those the reasons why we're not, maybe not quite that into it?
1: Well, and selfishly for me, I don't have an NBA team like That's I have. Good thing. That I, makes you a better sports. Yeah, team. I have. I have players that I like: LeBron, Chris Paul, like certain guys. But I don't have like but a the team. Sweet. I don't have a team that, like, I I watch every single night like I do with, like, baseball in the NFL. And so I've been really into baseball. Um, I just, I really enjoy baseball, and I'm also, like, huge into fantasy baseball and all that. So I've been kind of, once baseball got up and going, I've been kind of paying attention to that a little bit more and not so much after the uh, All-Star break with the NBA, but also because, like, it's been kind of just, uh, you know, there's a couple teams that are kind of rolling, but for the most part, it's... A lot of the teams are just kind of on cruise control a little bit. And uh, and then, like, with the Lakers and some of the favorite teams, uh, you know, been banged up. And it's just kind of like waiting till the playoffs get here. Like, that's is kind of like... And people are going to, like, hate on me because they're going to just like, well, you're a baseball fan, and that season takes forever. It's like, yes, but it's just a little bit different. But, like, the NBA... <laughs> it's just
0: a little different because you have a gambling issue and you love to gamble on baseball. Well,
1: daily. And, and Major League <laughs> Baseball. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just always been that long and, and played that way. But, sure. like, the NBA... It, it's just, I don't know. I, I think that they have some things that they need to fix because the regular season is just. And baseball com- doesn't com- completely. Well, no, baseball does too. But like, the regular season in the NBA ha- doesn't even matter anymore. Well,
0: that's what I have like, thought about baseball for fifteen years. Yeah, but see you're wrong. Because like, why? Not, why? Because, What's the difference?
1: Because not as many teams make the playoffs.
0: Hold on one second. Three six one three six eight eight. Do you want a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill? All you have to do is answer some NBA trivia questions. Rainey's going to be your lifeline. He'll help you along. So call right now to answer some trivia for free wings at the Desperado Sports Tavern. 361-3688. That's 361-3688. When you live in a country that's obsessed with football, it hammers home how important each week is in football, whether it's college or pro no other regular season matters like college or pro f- football does and so then therefore i think that's the biggest i think the biggest thing that has hindered the popularity of every sport that's not football is the fact that everybody is so obsessed with football because every game means so much
1: agreed yeah and and you have like kind of that that build up throughout the week um but i just uh you know but that's what kind of makes to me what makes baseball great is that they're playing every single day and it's something to look forward to every single day and to me, you know, like I'm a big Chargers fan, but I kind of enjoy baseball season more because the Chargers are playing once a week, so that's you know three hour, three and a half hours a week where I get to watch my team and enjoy it. Baseball, they're playing six times a week, so I get to enjoy it. Sure, three three hours, six times a week. So to me, I don't know. I kind of like I enjoy baseball season more. I would say overall, um, NFL more so as like. Um, a fan of just the sport in general, mm-hmm. you know, cause obviously like I much rather watch um, just a random, like, you know, Bucks Falcons game than like a, you know, Pirates Reds game. Sure. But, um, but the NBA has got, I think they got some regular season issues that they get got to get worked out, especially with all these, like you talked about it. Um, you know, you, you got like expensive tickets when you're out of town yep. to go yep. watch teams and then like nobody plays, you know, sure. and that's happening all the time. And I, I, just cut the season to 60 and call it good to me. What that?
0: So I, I'm mostly playing devil's advocate because I actually do agree that I think that the NBA has a serious problem when it comes to regular season hoops because the schedule oftentimes determines the effort, who plays, the result, all that. I also think that I'll call it a plague. The plague of load management is I, – I get it strategic – It's hard to say it's not smart for the guys on an individual basis, but it also robs the fans. And it's also, I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't want to sound like that guy that says, oh, back in the day, you know, it was so much better. But I just don't understand how guys used to fly on uh, commercial flights, (laughs) you know, fly coach and be in smoking sections of the airplane and staying in terrible hotels and making no money and wearing canvas shoes. And they weren't worried about load management, but now guys are flying charters. They're sleep sleeping in suites. They're spending million dollars a year on their bodies. And they still think they need to take the sixth out of every seven games off. So uh, to yeah. me, I just, I think yeah. that, I mean, ever since Greg Popovich started doing this load managing his older guys, It's become now widely accepted, and I think it, more than just robbing from the fans, which it does really rob from the fans if you pay good money to go see a team, more than that, though, it sort of skews the end-of-season results because right now, like you were mentioning last week on the show, being the best team in the NBA, having the best record in the East or the West, it doesn't matter at all anymore because most of the teams that are doing that are the young, naive teams that are too, I guess, quote-unquote, stupid to know that it could be detrimental to their championship run.
1: So wouldn't we just... Eliminate a few playoff spots, and that right. would help it more. Because I always, I mean, having eight in each league make the playoffs is just way too many. And now has ten. Especially what, especially what we've seen, like in the Eastern Conference, where you know the eighth and sometimes the seventh seed is like under five hundred. You know, like those teams don't need to be, don't need to be in the playoffs. So I think if we cut it to six in each league, um, I think that would help with the load management. And what stuff.
0: if you just went four? So then you got to be the fourth best team in the East or the West.
1: Then you have to be elite, right? Yeah, or at least uh, you know have it be four, and then have a play-in tournament. Make with, it like a with it like it like five a, six.
0: What if you just did a, a top four in each conference, and then everybody else is in like a wild double elimination playoff tournament? East like and West it. don't matter, right? Yeah. well I've
1: always yeah. I've always like, let's give that me like, a, give me a
0: twenty four team tournament to get the other four seeds or whatever, right? Yeah, that'd be sweet. It'd be way sweeter than, yeah, and, than this, and right? And you
1: wouldn't be able to, yeah, because, like, you want to avoid that kind of a tournament, so you're not having the load management issues because you are you need to win as many games as possible. I think that's kind of the, the main thing. Like, the Lakers knew, like, I, I totally called it. I was like, the Lakers are going to just, like, win a bunch of games early in the season, and then they're just going to, like, put it on complete cruise control because they know that, like, they're just going <laughs> to build up a lead as culture just is spilling stuff all over the place for the second time over today. I am the place. I know. It's going to get so
0: many fluids. Okay, Coulter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're going to time out, buddy. It's timeout time. Sorry, Sean. Carry on. Um where was I at here? Um oh yeah, but like I, I kind of knew I was like, I bet the Lakers are just gonna get out to a big time lead and then just kind of sit on it and milk it for a little while. You know, and that's what we see a lot of these teams do. Like they just they play really well for like a two-week stretch, and then they're like Okay, we're going to kind of put our feet up. Kyrie Irving goes on these, like, sabbaticals a couple times a year, just like, you know, I'm just going to leave for a week or so, personal reasons, you know, Um, which just, it's not, you know, it's just not good for the game. You want to see the the guys out there um, trying all the time. I did want to quickly mention, because we talked about Russell Westbrook last time I was in, and what do you know? Yep, He's in a playoff game and didn't didn't do so well, just like we uh, kind of predicted. I I thought
0: it was uh, fascinating that... uh Kimba Walker, who's sort of looked washed up lately, put Russ on his heels last night. Walker was the aggressor right away and then he just he put he put Westbrook right on his heels. I totally agree too with uh what you're just getting at. I mean you, you said you turned off the Pacers-Hornets game or weren't, weren't really engaged in watching it because it was a 40-point game. That is, yeah. that is such a far cry from the playoffs. I get the Hornets are sort of an exciting, kind of exciting young team, but why do I want to spend any of my time watching the 10 seed in the East lose by 40 to the Indiana Pacers? It just doesn't seem any sort of good. We got to get out because Brian Holsinger is here. He just walked in. So a new Lady Grizz head coach. We're going to talk all things hoops. NBA, college, Lady Grizz, everything in between. It's Nuanas now. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula.